Where have we failed to love the deaf community? And what can we learn from them about how to view our world? Welcome to the Beyond the Lines podcast. In a world where there are a few loud voices spreading division and hate, we want you to know that there are more of us who want unity and love. We are part of a community of people who love despite differences and listen to the stories of those who have been marginalized. We love beyond the lines of differences so that our lives can be full of diversity. We listen because we believe in human dignity for all people. Come listen with us and join a movement of people who are willing to love all people at all times. Today on the podcast, we have two incredible guests in Haley and Julia. Haley has been deaf her entire life and has faced some challenges because of that. Julia is her mother who has been her faithful advocate when hearing people choose not to listen. We talk about the stereotypes that have been perpetuated in culture about the deaf community, and we talk about some of the challenges that the deaf face in getting the services that they need. We also get to hear some fantastic perspective from the Bible about being deaf. It is also important to note that Haley communicates with American Sign Language, which is being voiced by an interpreter in the studio with us. Most people will listen to this on our audio podcast, and that's awesome. But I have a special version on our YouTube channel as well, where you can see Haley speak in American Sign Language. So I encourage you to check that out as well. The link will be in the show notes. I can't wait for you to hear all of this and more in the special episode of Listening to the Death. Well, my name is Jonathan Miller. I'm your designated listener today on the podcast. And today we have some incredible people on the podcast. I'm really, really excited to learn more from them. Today we have Haley, who is deaf, and her mother, uh, Julia, who's been with her her whole life. <laughs> and so um, there's so much we can learn from them and uh, that community and what it's like to um, to be deaf. And so thank you for being here. Thank you for being willing to share your story today. Of course. I always want to help people understand the situation and what ableism means. And I want to help people be more open-minded. Awesome. Thank you. Um, And I can't wait for people to hear about that. We also have September here today. She is our interpreter. She's amazing. Thank you for being here today, September. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Well, um, I've gotten to know you guys over the last a year or so, uh, maybe almost two years now, mm-hmm. and uh, I've learned so much from you, and I am so grateful that you God put you in my life, and uh, I can't wait for people to hear more about that. First off, uh, let's just I'm I'm kind of the, I'm kind of the type of person who just dives right in. Are you ready to to dive into this difficult topic? I can't wait. Yes, <laughs> yes, let's go. Let's do it. Awesome. Well. Um, First, I'd like to understand your experience just a little bit better, Haley. How long have you been without hearing and and what caused that? I became deaf when I was six days old. And then ever since then, I haven't had any hearing. Um, When I was a baby, I got meningitis. I had a lot of other problems too, but that was the main cause of my deafness. So it was was when you were a baby. So you don't really remember ever having a hearing. Is that correct? Yeah, my mom just told me when it happened when I was a baby. But I saw pictures, you know, when I was just like a newborn. (laughs) Yeah, I saw pictures from when I was in the hospital and I was sick. I'm just so happy that I actually survived because most of the people in the hospital honestly didn't think I would live. Wow. Well, we're glad you're here today with us. I'm glad to have you here. And it's uh, incredible that you did survive. Thank you so much. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, How... Like, <laughs> I'm not surprised that you don't remember when you were a baby, <laughs> by the way. Like, I don't remember when I was a baby either. So that was kind of a weird question for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> That's okay. 
Our, um, so my next question is kind of like our society is kind of built for people who have like hearing and seeing and and can have all these diff- these abilities, but often not a lot of thought is given to those who don't have certain functions. Um, what are some of your struggles that you deal with just on a daily basis um, that people who can hear just don't even think about? So I used to live in Oregon, and I can't remember a lot of struggles there, but most of my challenges have been in acting. Um, so I have used captions before through caption. I've used captions and interpreters. I was mainstreamed in school. I don't remember a whole lot of problems, though, until I moved to Arizona. Oh. And then I did have some challenges here. Um, With the doctors. and yeah. I had some challenges with the doctor's offices as well as, I'm trying to remember here, in the actual theater world, I do have challenges with that as far as captioning. Before, they used to have interpreters, like at Gamage, but now they're not providing interpreters anymore, so I have to like watch the stage and then watch the captions too, so it's distracting. But there's a lot more accommodations now that they have like actual kind of like glasses that you put on that you Mm. can see captions through like a clear screen almost. That's really cool. Um, But the accommodations don't always match, but it's slowly, gradually getting better. Mm. Gradually. Very interesting. (laughs) You, You mentioned that while you're in Oregon, right? you didn't have as many troubles and then you moved here and it was, it was difficult or, or there was more issues or roadblocks in your way. What, why is there such a big difference between States? I, I didn't know about that. So most of that, my mom experienced because I was young. So she can talk more about that, but I was mainstreamed in school. So a lot of the other hearing kids, they kind of accepted me and understood I think my biggest challenges are related to the doctors and the medicine. So, and hmm. we moved to Oregon. We lived here when she yeah. was was born, and we actually I started researching because that's what I do, um, trying to find a place or a program that would help her. Hmm. A lot of programs are like for the death are methodology focused, so it was either like oralism, like no sign language, or only sign language, and. I was new to this whole thing. I wanted something that would just approach my daughter instead of a methodology. And um, there was a program in Boston, and there was a program in Portland, Oregon. Mm. And we chose to move up there. And there was just a very inclusive um, community. Wow. You know, the school she was in had a deaf class, but the people, you know, they did activities together. The church interpreters, I had other parents like hearing parents of deaf children and other deaf adults around. And it just, it was easier. Wow. For, I, and I don't know if we just got lucky into where we were. We just ended up in a good place. Yeah. So it, it felt better because there was like a more of a community that understood and was that kind of gathered around you in Oregon. Exactly. I'm not really sure why. I came here with big expectations. Um, it's the fifth, at the time anyway, it was the fifth biggest city in the U.S., Arizona's going to have everything. Mm. And we got here and we couldn't find really community and we couldn't find the resources and church was completely different. You know, it was all kind of separated and it just was different. Um, It wasn't really set up 
um, so much for that. And that's Phoenix. Tucson, there's the Arizona School for the Deaf. And it mm. could be completely different there. Um, I just know the Phoenix area. Gotcha. And our experience. Yeah. Do you, like, how connected you are you with people kind of across the U.S.? Is this a, you know, is this kind of a hodgepodge of places where there are really great uh, deaf resources? Or is it, um, you know, or is it really hard to find it in certain places? Or what's that like? Honestly, I'm not really sure about, like, the whole U.S. I know that Washington, D.C. is very inclusive there. Um, they have Rochester Institute for Technology there yeah. for the deaf. So and that's Gallaudet. very mainstreamed. And Gallaudet's in D.C.? Yes, Gallaudet was one of, like, the first big deaf schools. And I think they had the first deaf professor there as well. I don't know all the information about their history, though. But I know that it kind of, like, all started there. You know, deaf culture here in the United States, at least. And then France is where, yeah. Yeah, and France is where, like, sign language actually started and moved to the United States. Wow. It was in France? Yes. Oh, yeah. Cool. So ASL is originally from France. Interesting. I didn't know that because it's it, the abbreviation is American Sign Language, isn't it? Um, I think what happened was there were two men from France. They traveled together on a boat, and while they were traveling, they were teaching sign language. Um, they were traveling with someone who was deaf, and they were really struggling. So they traveled, and while they were traveling, they were teaching sign language. Interesting. I didn't know that history, and it's it, that's fascinating. Moving on to some kind of more more of your experience, like it sounds like um, you had some difficulty with like uh, the medical profession, but otherwise um, you you were able to make good relationships in school. You were able to you know do a lot with what people with hearing uh, can do. Did you ever face some um, like stereotypes that people who didn't know you um, believed about you, or that any roadblocks that you faced that just was just Yeah, there was one specific example. It was like in 2018. It was the first time that we went to Fan Fusion. It was like a Comic-Con in Phoenix. But a problem came up because he called us that we were hearing impaired. But we were trying to tell him, no, we're deaf and we prefer to be called deaf. But uh, he was insistent that, no, we are not deaf. We're hearing impaired. Uh. Like that man he had more right to label us. So he thought that that was the appropriate term, even though we were saying, no, the appropriate term is deaf. Like, you know, like he just wasn't open-minded, I guess. Well, yeah, that was a situation where somebody who was hearing and um, he had said something about Haley being hearing impaired. And I, we explained that preferred to be called deaf. And he explained that he would prefer to call her hearing impaired. (laughs) Um, (laughs) it was like, yeah, he said, because it is a medical condition and it can be fixed. And so therefore it's not deaf, it's hearing impaired. And it was one of those where you finally just had to, he wasn't open to hearing. Yeah. And so you just kind of had to say, because usually we try to educate. It's about educating people. People just don't know. But sometimes people are like that too. Right. You know, so that happened and i know you talked about like people not expecting you to be able to read not expecting you to be able to um, do a lot of things because you're deaf i know most people are shocked but people say that deaf people can only read up to a fourth grade reading level like that's it and that's not true wow that's not true at all 
So my mom always tries to challenge me to keep reading, improve my reading level, and I love to read. That's great. Yeah, I love to read too, and that's a weird one that I would. How does that have to do with hearing at all? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Like, where where do you think that comes from? Do you have any idea why people think that? I'm not really sure, but I know that movies sometimes have given like a bag stigma. You know, deaf and dumb. Um, a lot of like the old movies have portrayed deaf people as stupid. Oh, I don't know about. There's a baseball player that is deaf. His name is Dummy Hoy. Oh. They called him Dummy Hoy. Oh, they labeled him as deaf and dumb. They called him Dummy Hoy. But he was actually really smart. So most of us deaf people around here are smart. Hmm. Yeah. That I, I could see how that would be a really painful thing to even just see a a person who is in baseball, who's in the the light and uh, for, you know, society to see. And they, they label him with something that is derogatory and mean spirited when it's not true at all. Yeah. It's interesting though, that back in the day, they used to label it as deaf and dumb. That was just normal. Oh, it's just a normal phrase that people would say deaf and dumb. You know, a hundred years ago, way back when. I don't know. But now that's not appropriate. I hope that people don't say deaf and dumb. I mean. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know that was something that people said back in like a few, whatever amount of time it was, but it shouldn't have ever been said. (laughs) Would you mind talking a little bit about ableism uh, right now and um, how it's a system of kind of prejudice and uh, really nobody's talking about it that much in the as far as like the mainstream media or, or anything like that, uh, what is your experience with, with ableism and um, has gone in your life? And I know our, our listeners really appreciate just hearing whatever you know and uh, however way we can correct ourselves if we're not in that or how we can educate ourselves. So I'm trying to think about probably like my most, like my biggest challenges is I mean, my challenges with the medical field is probably my biggest challenge. Like the emergency room, for example. You can't just, like, automatically arrive and there's an interpreter there. I mean, they will provide an interpreter, but most of the time it's VRS, which is a video relay service. But it's not always just readily available, you know. Even for appointments, like doctor's appointments, um, I always prefer an interpreter, But if the interpreter cancels or they can't find one, sometimes they're not willing to find another interpreter. And with a video relay service, sometimes the Internet's bad or it's not accessible at that time. I could see how these things like can be really scary if you're going to the emergency room. You want to be able to tell them what's going on, what's wrong. But if you can't or they don't have anybody who understands, what do you do? That was we. I took her to the hospital once because she was having chest pain, mm-hmm. and we went in there and they um, we needed. She asked for a live interpreter um, because that usually holds more weight than like me saying she needs it. But if the actual person says, and they didn't have one, and they said you're going to have to wait, so they had her just sitting in the waiting room with chest pain mm. um, because there wasn't an interpreter available. And I finally just took her and said, okay. And I just started driving and I called 911 and said, we, we we're having, she's having chest pain. I can't get the hospital to, to work with her. And the fire department came and met us in the parking lot at Food City. Uh-huh. And, um, 
and helped and worked with her and okay. tried to see what was going on. Literally had to go drive and call 911 mm-hmm. to get her the help she needed. I went to the hospital again. They said that there was like a limited amount of time for the interpreters, like a set amount of time. So after 5 p.m., they don't provide interpreters. Mm. This was like at a, a hospital where you stay, like a behavioral health oh, hospitals. Okay. And I've heard horror stories of what happens to deaf individuals that go into a behavioral health situation. Really? Wow. Oh, horrible, horrible. And I know there was a one woman that sued um, one particular hospital because they will do that. We'll have give you an interpreter from, you know, nine to five, and then we no longer provide services after that. And then you've got somebody in, in an emotional, you know, situation, and I'm sorry, you can no longer speak to anybody after five o'clock. Wow. Um, and worse than that. I mean, I've heard about people being put in restraints, um, and, and the deaf speak with their hands Hmm. and you put them in restraints and they no longer have language. I am trying to remember another situation too. It was positive for my mom, but negative for me. We went to a church event. Yeah, it was a, like a women's event and I was so excited to go but we had a problem with the interpreter there too. But um, the interpreter canceled and my mom was willing to jump up and interpret the whole event for me. Can you imagine that was, she was willing yeah. to interpret? It was Karen Kingsbury and we had asked for a interpreter and they said, of course. And then when we arrived, they're like, oh, she can't, they canceled. We're sorry. Wow. And I had to do it and I am not an interpreter. What, you know. Tell us a little more about that actually. What, what's the difference between somebody who can speak American Sign Language and an interpreter like September. It is different. So like I always say, I'm a mom who signs and I can do some ASL. Um, I have a good vocabulary. So I'm a mom who signs, but an interpreter, no, September, what do you, how would you explain that? Okay. Haley said that she's okay if I speak. Um, So an interpreter has to focus on like different functions of sign language so we are hearing the english but at the same time we have to process it in our brain and translate it to sign language which as Haley mentioned is closer to french than english so the syntax and the grammar are different I often explain it like it's closer to Spanish, like how they flip their noun, their verbs, their adjectives. Kind of the sentences are backwards. So we are translating it in our brain and then putting it out in a different language. But at the same time, we're still hearing the English that's being spoken. So that is just like a totally different skill set than a person that can just sign, you know. Yeah, that makes total sense. Actually, you keep talking about the theater, and I never, I haven't asked you about it. I would love to hear more. Like, what do you do with your acting, and what do you do with in the theater? And um, you know, I would love to just hear about that part of you. Yeah, totally. Okay. So before I moved to Arizona, we were looking for something to do that was um, free because we didn't <laughs> something that we could afford. I get that, yeah, yeah <laughs> something we could afford yeah. and go out and do. You know, we had just moved to Arizona, so we didn't have a lot of money. So we were looking for something cheaper to do. And I noticed a sign that said D-Tour for Scottsdale Center of the Arts. And I was wondering what that was. 
So we went there, and I was fascinated. And then the second time we went, I wanted to join. But there was a problem. I was in high school, so I couldn't fully involve myself in that yet. So we waited, but we kept going to the shows. And then in 2016, I graduated. And in the summer, I immediately started practicing with Detour. I went straight there, and I've been there ever since. If anyone wants to go, we do have a show coming up soon. Awesome. Oh, the name of the show they're doing is the 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. I don't know if I have that right. That's a more recent <laughs> show. It's a long name. And they're also doing Once Upon a Mattress. Yeah. But do you remember like your first time? I can't remember the exact dates for those upcoming shows, but I can let everyone know. Yeah. <laughs> so if anyone wants to see them. I could put them in the show notes too if people wanted to go check it out. I've been to uh, one of your shows and that was really cool. Um, yeah, How did so you feel the first time you went in to rehearsal? I feel like they accepted me. I felt included, not just because I was deaf. There's lots of different disabilities that are included in Detour. So, but I'm deaf, so... I felt accepted. I was really nervous when I first started, though, that people wouldn't understand my sign. But then Sam came, and she knows sign language. So so she pulled me right in, and she taught other people to know sign. So we just all connected, and I've been like family since. Wow. How long have you been a part of Detour? 2015 to, so I guess, almost seven years. Seven years. Great. That's awesome and amazing. It's always important for where, whoever you are, whatever you have going on in your life, that you find community. And it sounds like Detour is that for you in many ways. Yeah, I'm always excited to go. Every Thursday, I'm excited for that. Amazing. Um, moving on to kind of another question. Thank you for sharing that with us today. That was amazing. Um, love to hear about that. And I hope people can go check out your show. Um, I think it'd be really cool for them. Um, I've recently... Personally, uh, kind of moving on, transition. I don't know how to transition, <laughs> but I'm <laughs> just going to. Uh, but I've recently discovered that my son, um, he's not neurotypical. And so he has his own challenges to face that um, you know, neurotypical children might not have to face. And my wife has spent countless hours, just we've just only known for about less than a year now, uh, just recently researching and going through all these different assessments and doing all these different struggles. It's, it's a struggle. And often the, the system we've found is not built to be necessarily helpful. Um, Julia, as a mother, can you share about your experience as Haley's mother? What are some of the biggest barriers that you have faced and difficulties that you have had to face in order to get Haley what she needs? And we've talked a little bit about the um, the medical field, but also socially and academically and all those different things. Um, what are the challenges that you faced? I think like when we thought talked about like academically and socially, the first thing that actually came to my mind was spiritually. Oh, yeah. Um, because I was, you know, I was a new Christian basically in 2002, and I wanted her to be, I wanted her to be involved with that, with church and different things. And as a Deaf child, deaf um, children don't learn. Um, I think it's called incidental learning. Like a hearing child will hear what's going on around them, and they will learn stuff. You have to be really mindful with a deaf child. Hmm. Um, so I wanted her to have that around her. I wanted her to have movies and TV shows and those kinds of things. And, and the first thing I came up against was um, like Christian DVDs and Christian shows. And 
more than any other DVD movies, shows, I would try to find Christian DVDs weren't captioned. And that was really difficult. I mean, I would email, I would, you know, now it's Facebook or I messenger, I do things like that. Um, But that was the hardest thing to find, which was really heartbreaking because to me that was the most important thing was for, you know, as opposed to watching um, Mad Max or (laughs) (laughs) or watching, you know, yeah, something that, so that was a problem. Um, Church events, like Haley already mentioned, like they didn't really seem to take seriously um, sign language interpreters. Moving to Arizona, we had to really church shop and trying to find a church that was Bible-based and had sign language interpreters was very difficult. Hmm. Um, when we were in Oregon, again, we had a, she had a deaf youth group. So that also matches the socially, right? She could go to her youth group. It was Deaf Teen Quest. Um, Youth for Christ did it. So she had her social group. Every week they got together, and she was also learning about Jesus, and it was a wonderful thing. And when we moved to Arizona, um, they didn't have, they don't have anything. Literally yeah. not one deaf youth group wow. in the state of Arizona. Hmm. Um, so there's something right there. You want your child to be around other people. You want them to be able to, and I couldn't. We actually, finally, I ended up teaming with Deaf Teen Quest and Youth for Christ, and we started our own ministry here. Um, And that's another long story, but that was really, really difficult and very hurtful because it's like the people who I felt should have been Christians, Christ followers, should have been the ones the most supportive and the most helpful and and above all, love others. And that was where I was finding the least amount of support and help. Mm. And that was was the hardest thing um, for me to deal with. Academically, I've heard a lot of horror stories. We were really lucky again in Oregon. Yeah, it was there, but you know, trying to get what you need, you know, you do an individual oh, IEP. I can't even think what mm-hmm. that stands for right now. Um, individual education plan. plan. Thank yeah. you. My son's doing those two now. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah, and trying to get what you what you need. And as a parent, you know your child, and trying to get those needs met. A lot of times, they don't hear you. Mm. With at least our experience with her being deaf the expectations were extremely low, right? And I'm like, you know, she can do this, this, and this. You know, I want support for these things. And they're like, well, you know, we found typically that, you know, as a deaf child, she doesn't really need. And it was like, that was a problem. I'm the kind of person that researches. I'm the kind of person when somebody tells me she can't or I can't, um, I don't do that very well. I was really shy before her. <laughs> um, and then it was like, wait a minute, what? Um, so, you know, and I would tell this to any parent with a child with a disability is know the law, know about the ADA, know um, your rights your child has. Um, and that was really hard for me to be tell people, doctor's offices, no, really, you need to get an interpreter. And they'd be like, well, you know, we don't usually do that. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I understand that. Um, but the ADA says that you it's required for her to have hmm. an interpreter. Wow. Um, I had to do that for events, you know, having to tell people, no, you know, she wants to come see this show. She wants to go to this, you know, this women's event, a Christian women's event. She needs an interpreter. And mm-hmm. while well, the ADA says... Um, and having to explain that to yeah. people. And that's, it shouldn't have to be that way. It sounds exhausting to have to do so much work just to get um, 
to feel included, to make sure that Haley feels included. That sounds like absolutely exhausting and having to like, I don't want to have to like, uh, you know, I could feel this. Like, I don't want to have to, you know, bring the law into, it. I just want it to happen. Let's just like, I don't want to force this to happen. I don't want to have to do that. That's not, I can tell that's your heart. Yeah. I just, yeah. And I never start that way. I never, ever start with, okay. You know, you have to kind of push it to where I explain, you know, this is why, you know, it's really important for her to be involved. She needs to know what's going on. And I, I will, I always done, I've always done it that way. But when it comes to push comes to shove and they, you know, it's like, okay, well, <laughs> here's the law and still being nice about it. And I still assume uh-huh. that people just need to be educated. No, you're right. That's not my personality. Yeah. I don't want to have to do it that way, but I, I will if I have to. Man. Very few people I think actually want to have to like strong arm others to be like, no, this is just something that we all need. You know, we want to be included. We want to be, a, you know, and I, and people aren't educated. And I have a question for you in that a second. I just, when you're talking about IEPs, like this is not just a, a deaf community thing either. Nope. It's uh, my wife is now part of a bunch of Facebook groups that are uh, people with disabilities and uh, who have IEPs and, um, I think this, uh, she read the story of this one little girl who was in a wheelchair and had autism and, um, and, uh, they, she was doing really well in school. So they said, well, we don't need an IEP anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and the mother's like, no, the reason she's doing good is because she has an IEP, exactly. you know, why, why take that away now? And so it's, it's a constant, um, a burden and, and it's a lot of work and I know you do it out of love and you love Haley and it, but it's exhausting too. And, um, my wife and I have just begun that and my wife's doing most of the work. So I, you know, uh, she's finding community though. That yeah. is so smart too, is to find other people that are, have gone through it before you, you know, and, and yeah. are going through it now that you can get, that's been invaluable to me to ask people questions. So mm-hmm. good for her. Yeah, because right like you said, you had to do so much research and educating yourself because nobody just says, and here's the bullet list, the bullet points <laughs> of all the things you can do and have and all the laws and all the things that, you, you know, you are entitled to. And nobody does that. No, <laughs> you know, no. Not really, anyways. Uh, some people like you who've been through it might do that for somebody. And oh, yeah. For sure. Um, and so I'll put your email in the, <laughs> in yeah, the show notes. Yeah, put my email in there and I'd be happy to, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> along those lines of education, um, what are some of the, Haley, Julia, what, what are some of the best ways that people can start educating themselves on um, what deaf people face um, and what uh, you know people who just with disabilities face on a regular basis? What are some ways that they can, you know, without having you, you to answer all their questions right here, right now, what are some ways that they can just start immersing themselves? You can't know all things. That's not possible. But what are just some ways that people start wetting their toes and and understanding a little bit more? So the top of my list is deafness is not a disability. Mm. Um, I think that's a negative stigma. Um, Deaf people can do anything. I know you you have more to add. It's like just help, help each other. I love how you told me that before. It's like, just help each other. Um, and I think of like when you say, how do people educate yourself? That's a big part of it right there. Educate yourself. I think for a lot of people, we learned in 2020 and 2021, all of a sudden, like having the blinders off as far as racism and not, I didn't know what I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's the same thing, I think, with ableism. You know, you don't know what you don't know. 
And so being humble, um, you know, reading, talking to people, um, having your mind open to, to things, I think is just, that's how, it's huge. Um, and then when you start, know, when you educate yourself, educate the people around you. When somebody calls somebody like the R word, right? I, I don't know if everyone knows what the R word is. Um, you're looking at me blankly. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, s- people will still use the word retarded. Okay. Um, it's like, tell that person. It's like, no, no, you know, that's not, you know, hmm. that's that's not a word we use now. And explain to them why. Mm-hmm. Um, so speak up for other people. For Christians, um, read the Bible. See how Jesus, you know, it, it, I don't know when was it, the 70s, 80s? I don't know. I wasn't a Christian till 2002. But the what would Jesus do, uh, right? What would Jesus do? You know, when you're encountering people that are different than you, differently able, what would Jesus do? You know, the Bible is full of stories of what he did, how the Lord looks at um, people who are differently abled. And Jesus was always right there, just loving people. And Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of the same. I mean, not kind of the same thing. It's the same thing. We're supposed to live like Jesus. There's a verse, um, Ephesians, oh boy, 4.10, that talks about um, we are all created. We are all God's workmanship. That means everybody. And look at everybody that way. We're all created for good works. Mm -hmm. There was a woman last night at a detour get-together that said the most beautiful thing I've ever heard um, about this kind of situation when it's loving, loving beyond the lines. She said what she does, she plays the flute. And she said what she does is she closes her eyes and she closes her mind and she listens and opens up her heart. Hmm. And then she plays her music. Then wow. she goes on. And I just was like, wow. And that's what I would say to people. It's just don't, you don't know. You know what I mean? Close, get rid of that. Close your eyes. Just open your heart and love people. I think that is the key to understanding the rest of humanity in general, you know, because the reality is no one is exactly like you, um, even if they try to be uh, because you're in a certain group or something. And just opening up your heart and listening to their particular perspective and where they come from is, is so powerful. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, and also one more thing. Uh, Julia gave me a ton of resources <laughs> to put in the show notes. So go check those out in your own self-education. So before we finish, I had two Bible verses that I wanted to share, like stories. Um, Exodus 4.11 is what she said, was talking about. And she said, then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna put the and I'm going to summarize this other one. It's but, Mark, um, ma, Mark ba, 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 4, ma, to, 31 through 37. Jesus, Jesus healed a deaf man. So the gist of that story, I don't want to read the whole thing this time, but the gist of that story was Jesus was walking through town and he saw that there was a man, he was deaf and he was struggling and he couldn't speak as well. So Jesus decided to help that man. What was that word, mom? It's like a, 
Oh, it's a, I believe, a Greek or a Latin word, and it means that his mouth was opened. So it means that Jesus helped him, and he was immediately able to hear and speak. But it was an interesting story because, in my perspective, that whoever helped that person, he also helped everyone in the area. Okay, I'm sorry, the interpreter misunderstood. So in the story, Jesus helped that man, but he also helped everyone in the area. A rabbi, a judge. And it wasn't like that Jesus was, like there was something wrong with deaf people in general. It's not that he went in and said there's something wrong with deaf people. Jesus approached this one specific person and helped this specific person. Um, And then the rabbis tended to judge all deaf people um, and the Pharisees and stuff. Um, But she wants that scripture to be understood is it's not Jesus feeling like deaf people need to be fixed. Hmm. It's about Jesus helping this particular man. Wow. Yeah, I just wanted to kind of clarify that story that Jesus wasn't specifically saying deafness needs to be fixed. But Jesus, in my opinion, was helping that specific man and his experience. Hmm. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I, I think those are really good things for us to think about um, that I, you know, I not being deaf, uh, don't understand or don't see that perspective. And I really, really appreciate you sharing that. Thank you so much. Yes, of course. Anything that I can do to help everyone. Awesome. Well, I love your heart, Haley. Thank you for being here today. And thank you for everyone for being here in this podcast. Yes, you're welcome. And thank you everyone for watching us. (laughs) Yeah. And thank you, Jonathan, for being willing and wanting to learn more and for this church for being willing and wanting to know more. That's huge because not every person, not every church is like that. So that's important to say that too. Well, you're welcome. And I'm glad to be a part of it and I'm glad to be a part of what God's doing. So thank you. Um, That is it for us today. But uh, before you, the listener, go, uh, please consider giving us a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever else else you can figure out how to review us. (laughs) We believe strongly in what we're doing here at Beyond the Lines and would love for people to join this movement of listeners who are willing to love beyond what we already understand beyond the lines that we draw on the sand where we we were like that's too hard to understand we're going to walk behind that line and we're going to love people so uh, by giving us a review you can help us uh, spread the word and help people know about it also share this episode with or the whole podcast uh with your friends uh if they you think they can uh, grow from it uh i would really appreciate that we all would um Yeah, we record here at Central Christian Church in Phoenix, Arizona. Our community here is pursuing the mantra of love beyond, which calls us to empathize with people who are different and to build bridges of peace. If you're interested at all in learning more about our church, check us out at centralaz.com. We have online services as well as a bunch of different locations in the Phoenix metro area if you're local. We'll see you next at next uh, episode of Beyond the Lines. Until then, start loving beyond your lines. Thank you, everybody.